The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And welcome to it. It is seven minutes after seven. We are ready to go. We hope you are as well. Stan Fanselberg is in the other chair and ready to take your calls. Bring it on. We talk employment law. We talk COVID-19, temporary layoff, severance pay, all that stuff, wrongful dismissals. Are you a, a contractor or not a contractor? Bring it on. Questions don't matter. We'll all get answered, but get some answers. 416 870 6400 is the way to reach out again 416-870-6400 lines are open we are a live show on a monday night good to have you along we will empty out the email box other than that we got a ton to get through help at employmentlawyer.ca help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address from which we read and there's also the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca there's a ton of information it's it's literally like having a employment lawyer on your in your pocket or on your computer all day long, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And within that uh, particular website is the well-known severance pay calculator. So bring it on. Stan the man on a Monday. How are you doing, Pally? I'm doing well, John. How about yourself? I'm good. You got some uh, – something's going on with minimum wage, I heard. Nice. Yes. Uh, something that surprisingly I haven't heard too much about in the news because, as uh, many may or may not know, on October 1st, our minimum wage in Ontario actually increased. So as you may recall, John, when Doug Ford was initially elected, he ran partially on the back of promising to put a wage freeze in place for the minimum wage increase that the Liberals had previously brought in. Mm-hmm. And that lasted for 34 months up until October 1st, when during this pandemic, that was the time, apparently, that it was time to raise the minimum wage from $14 for the general public to fourteen twenty-five as well as some other subsequent increases for both student uh, minimum wage, uh, liquor service minimum wage, and home workers minimum wage. Nice. So these are, these are certainly going to have impacts throughout many industries, John. Uh, it may not seem like a lot, but when you're talking about thousands upon thousands of employees, we, you know, that's, a, a bit, that's a strong financial burden that can be placed on employers, especially at this time. So ne- nevertheless, I mean, Employers have to be vigilant. These these changes have come into effect, and every employee is now entitled to an extra twenty five cents if they were ma- making minimum wage, wage at the uh, at the time. And more so than that, John, what I always find is that because there's always a trickle down effect when it comes to minimum wage. That sure. because the people at the bottom are getting a little bit more, those above them feel entitled to a salary bump as well. Now, given now, ultimately, I, I think our listeners would probably know that. There is no entitlement to a salary increase in Ontario. Uh, other than minimum wage, whatever whatever you, you are entitled to in terms of salary is whatever you can negotiate with your employer. But right. as often happens in these cases, when the people below you start making more, people in managerial supervisory roles feel that they should also have an increase that reflects what, what they were, their status and the bump that they their uh, subordinates sure. yeah. So uh, I think there's going to be some serious uh, consequences here, and I think employers need to be uh, on the lookout and consider what their payroll looks like because now they've got to pay everyone who was paying making minimum wage before an extra 25 cents at a minimum. 
Well, let me uh, let me throw a little uh, little uh, <clears throat> water on or a little uh, little fuel on everybody's fire. That is here. They just approved in Geneva, Switzerland, a minimum wage. Are you ready for this? $25 an hour. That's roughly $4,300 per month for 41 hours of work. That's what's going on over there. So you think we got it bad for employers. 25, 23 francs or $25 an hour in Geneva. How about that? Uh, it's amazing. Obviously, different view uh, of what the minimum wage represents and how it works. I mean, compared to the federal minimum wage, let's say in the United States, which which has been at seven twenty five for decades now. Uh, really, I mean, who can live off seven twenty five in the United States these days? So, different approaches to how uh, ultimately governments choose to Im- impose these things. You know, in Geneva, much more socialistic, egalitarian society, perhaps. Where the, the wealth is distributed a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven twenty-five in the states last night, and they work under the banner of employment at will, which basically means you can get sacked and end up with bugger all. So that's not a nice place to be working. I'd much rather be here, to be honest. I'm glad I got a Canadian passport. We'll just. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's a general sentiment right now, especially with yeah. going down south, going on yeah. down south. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the number. Taking your calls always priority. Chris, thanks for standing by. How are you? Hey, buddy, it's another day, another dollar, or what? That's it. Well, another dollar twenty-five, maybe. So, uh, what's going on? Hey, hey, hey listen, uh, uh, on the serve this year here, how, how much percentage-wise should I be saving up here? They say like I've made five thousand dollars. Right. How much so percentage? How much you, you expect to receive on the serve? So, the way yeah, the serve so ultimately works here, Chris, is that it's added as part of your income. So it, ultimately, the tax you're going to pay depends on how much income you earn this year. If you yeah. had another job where you earned you know, uh, your regular full-time pay, and this gets added on top, that's obviously going to bump you into a higher tax bracket. Oh, I never th- thought about that. That's right, yeah. So it's basically, what, maybe 20% save up? Uh, I mean, 20% probably on the low end because realistically, our tax, you know, our tax system kind of starts – starts at 20% and progressively gets higher from there. Um, Anywhere from 30 to 40% is probably the realistic amount of tax you can expect to pay. Okay. So, yeah, it's uh, all right, boys. I appreciate it. Stay safe there and uh, stay positive. Test negative. Thanks, Chrissy. Appreciate (laughs) it. And keep squirreling that money away, man. Just put it under a pillow. So when the uh, the tax man comes to call and you're uh, you're better prepared, 416-870-870. 6,400 is the number. Bring it on. Uh, Abdul, thank you for standing by. Good evening. Yeah, hi. Good evening. Um, I just finished my unemployment um, benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, can I apply for the new stuff that's coming the new? Uh, because I'm a diabetic, and the thing is, um, I work through an agency, and they send in all my stuff. This is when COVID happened. So the thing is, they're telling me now to go look for a job, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a type 1 diabetic. Okay, so you you've run out of uh, EI insurance, you're saying? Because if you had yeah. been laid off so, for this period, so, you've been collecting the CERB. No, I you know what? I applied for the EI instead of the CERB. I, I don't know why, but okay, uh, was that the EI sick benefits? Because EI does have a program that applies specifically when you can't work because of your sickness and or illness. And no, it was only last for thirteen weeks. No, no, it was EI EI benefits. Okay. So my EI is now finished, and now they're saying that how uh, they sent me the email saying that how you know your your benefits are done. When I start reporting, my last reporting was like last week. Okay. Well, 
I mean, unfortunately, Ethereum is finished and that's no longer accessible to you. And uh, the CRB uh, program is, uh, has officially ended at this point. So if there's any program that, you're, that you might be able to apply for, it's the CRB, the Recovery uh, Program. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks, okay. Abdul. Appreciate uh, your call. You want to reach out further? That is, uh, that's not a problem either. It's simple. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Get a hold of Stan and his crew, or help at employmentlawyer.ca. But always here and now. Priority four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Sean, you are up next. Good evening. Hi. Good evening, guys. How are you? Good, man. What's uh, what's on your plate? What's going on? Uh, I had a quick. My wife, she was under the serp. She was talking to so now she's finished the survey. I know the new programs came out. So I'm not sure which, which program she can apply under. Uh, she, she, can, she cannot uh, get the guy. So uh, she's, if she's self-employed, then she can apply for the Canadian Recovery Benefit, the CRB program, uh, which okay. would provide her with $1,000 for every two-week period, up to a maximum of 26 weeks. And then uh, as far as we know from the current, uh, the last throne speech that the Liberals gave, they're intending to wrap self-employed people under the EI umbrella as of next year. So she would be eligible for EI potentially next year. Uh, so is that program different than the caregiving program? Is that a different program, right? Uh, we not, you can't confuse. I don't know. If, you were saying if, you're, if you have a child under 12, looking up, is that like if you're working, looking up a child, then go to is that a different program? Because you can't confuse. It is a different program than the Canadian uh, Recovery Caregiving Benefit, for sure. Okay, thank you for your help. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate that and uh, appreciate all your help. Let's uh, move on here. We've still got a couple minutes. I want to get into the uh, the all-email show, so let's get into that. Ari is the first one up. Stan Ari says, uh, hi, I was uh, written up for being on a cell phone on company time. I'm a technician. Uh, I'm a technician. Other employees don't have to follow this rule. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, Ari, if the company has a policy that says you can't be on uh, your personal cell phone during work hours, wow. even if that rule or policy might not be applied uniformly, they can. You really can't stop a company from from applying progressive uh, some sort of discipline against you personally. Uh, the real question is going to become here, John, whether if they if this company does something foolish, like try to terminate him for cause on this basis after mm. even a couple of write-ups. I mean, the fact that the policy is not being applied uniformly is going to be a real uh, strike against the company here. Because that one of the basic principles when it comes to disciplining employees is you have to have an objective standard that you apply uniformly to everyone. And so you can't pick and choose and then try to apply, say that this person can be fired for cause for the same conduct that another employee would not be. Now, if they're different types of employees, perhaps, that can, can create differentiation. But if, you know, if the other employees are technicians similar to Ari here, then ultimately they have to apply that policy uniformly amongst all the technicians. The number is 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. You know what, I'm going to squeeze Steve in here quick. Hi, Steve. We're going to take you before the break. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? I just have a quick question. Okay, I'm calling for somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, he got laid off in March. He got laid off in March, not because of the virus or anything. He just got laid off, and that was on the official papers and everything. That ended 
Uh, he did, um, I think he got uh, t- uh, t- uh, 17 weeks or something. That ended. Uh, then they still didn't call him back or anything. Then he went on CERB, and that just ended. And he still hasn't been called back or anything, but the official thing is he got laid off. So is there any money coming from EI for him? Well, he is, yeah. So he's now run out of his CERB eligibility. Uh, yeah. Everyone who was on CERB is, and is still laid off or is or on the infectious disease, uh, emergency disease leave of absence, they are now being uh, placed onto EI, and he is absolutely eligible for EI for probably okay. a period of about 40-something weeks. Oh, okay. Because he just did his form on, you know, his serve, his last one on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It didn't say at the end, like it always does for him, when he can do it next. The next, um, you know, the next thing he can file. It didn't say anything report. about that yet. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, uh, I know that this is, trans- is something that's literally being transitioned right now. I mean, CERB just literally ended. Uh, so uh, I'm not entirely certain what, how, and when the co- uh, the government's doing that from the employees' interface of the uh, online. So I don't know what he's looking at for an uh, online portal. But you, if he has his online portal for EI and Service Canada, he should be able to do the report through that online portal. Steve, Whether appreciate the call. Yeah. Sorry, pal. Steve, we got we to run. We got to take a short break, but I appreciate the call. We got some time for you to load up the phone line, so make your call as well. 416-870-6400. Stan and I will continue with the all-email show in between the phone calls. 416-870-6400. Uh, Employment Law Show right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back indeed. It is 723 Monday night edition of Employment Law Show. We do a Monday night, Wednesday night weekend shows and Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV. On your weekend mornings as well, want to go to ST Lawyers anytime to get a schedule and investigate further. Right here now, though, 416-870-6400, the number to call into the station, ask Stan your question. You can also anytime use pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Absolutely free and anonymous website. There is a contact at the top right. If you want to get in touch with Stan or Lior, a member of the team, you can do so. Okay, Lilith, your, uh, your email is up next. It says, guys, I was already laid off during COVID and was called back. With the potential of a second wave, could the company now put me on a work share program or can I ask for my severance at this point? So, Lilith, uh, right now, as as many people listening to the show would know, the infectious disease emergency leave has been extended to January 2nd, which effectively has allowed employers, at least you know, for certain purposes, to do things like reduce hours, reduce wages, and not consider from a statutory perspective, at least, that being a constructive dismissal. So if that is what your employer is intending to do, you may have some limited options. I mean, ultimately, John, as you know, it's a constructive dismissal potentially under the common law. Uh, and that would be one way, if you didn't want to accept the work share program, 
to go after your employer for the, your severance. But if it's a question of whether they can do it and you don't want to necessarily resign over it, really, at least at this time, you, you don't have many options as the Ministry of Labor won't let you follow a complaint uh, related to that. Harold, you are up next. Email address, by the way, to use it, help at employmentlawyer.ca, or you can make a phone call here live on air, 416-870-6400. Harold, going to get to your email, says, I have been on temporary layoffs since March 20th of this year. I was working full-time up until COVID hit. I've been employed for six years as of January of this year. Can you confirm that I've now reached constructive dismissal status and that I am due severance? So again, Harold, because of the regulations passed by the Ontario government here and the infectious disease emergency leave being extended until January 2nd, whether you're you know, owed severance really depends on a couple of things. Number one is whether you've ever been laid off before, and number two, whether your contract allows for that. Uh, and from, from a statutory perspective, you certainly haven't been constructively dismissed because, again, the regulations don't allow for that at this time. Uh, from a common law perspective, depending on the answer to those questions of whether you've been laid off before or whether your contract allows for it, then you may be able to claim constructive dismissal and go after your severance at this point. So if, yeah, like you said, that's under the common law. So we'll assume that has never happened to him before. This is the first time he's tired of this, doesn't want this to go on and on and on because he probably knows if he's listened to the show before that they do it one time, they could probably do it again and again once he kicks that door open. He can now try to get get some severance and get out of there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he's, it's never happened before, if he doesn't have a contract that allows for it, uh, certainly these regulations, as we've said many times on this show, John, uh, do not affect employees' common law rights. Uh, right, these regulations, I mean, the Employment Standards Act is extremely clear in stating that nothing in there affects anyone's civil rights or civil, uh, civil ability to pursue things in civil court. And so the fact that these regulations you know, have just been enacted doesn't change that provision. And ultimately, you know, these regulations, from our perspective, cannot change the common law. And the common law simply does not allow employers to lay people off unless it's built into the contract. James has a pretty basic question, says, uh, what happens to any unused vacation time if I resign or terminate it? Well, James, I mean, in either of those scenarios, vacation time that you've accrued is similar to wages. It, you've already worked for that money, and whenever you've resi- whether you resign or terminate, you're entitled to that money because you worked for it. Now, the real question, and what a lot of employees don't understand, John, is that when they when they have a contract that says I'm owed two weeks vacation, that doesn't mean that you're entitled to two weeks vacation the day you start. At least, you know, the way it works is you have to accrue that vacation by working the entire year. So, for example, if you take two weeks and you have a good employer, they let you take two weeks right away in the first three months. And then after six months, you get let go. You would actually owe the company back a week of pay because you didn't accrue that second week by working for the entire year. Oh, okay. That makes perfect sense. Now, 416-870-6400 is the number. TJ, thanks for uh, thanks for standing by. Hi there. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. We have a, uh, a service truck that's shared by multiple mechanics, 
and mm -hmm. everything's been fine. We've all been non-smokers in the truck, but the new employee is a smoker who smokes heavily in the truck. Uh, we've made complaints to the boss. No changes have been done. Is there anything we can do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, firstly, I mean, there is legislation in Canada that explicitly says that you're entitled to a smoke-free workplace. And so your employer, by not following that legislation, is clearly in violation of it. If they refuse to do anything it, by themselves, that's what the Ministry of Labor is for, ultimately. They, uh, you know, they have an occupational health and safety division that, that enforces these types of statutes. And you can make a health and safety complaint with that division. You can even do it anonymously uh, so that they'll come in, take, uh, take a look around, conduct an investigation, and ultimately tell the employer that they have to enforce this piece of legislation until this person has stopped smoking in the truck. So we can pretty much just tell our boss that they've got to make them stop? Uh, absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. All right. All thanks, right. TJ. Appreciate thanks, that. You want to reach out any further, uh, you can do that. And here's how you reach uh, reach Stan. You go to help at employmentlawyer.ca or you call 1-855-821-5900. Uh, but here and now, got lots of room. Bring it on. Got lots of time as well. 416-870-6400. Paul, you're up next. Uh, email says, my employer is forcing me to come back to the office for a meeting. And saying that if I refuse, he will consider it to be a resignation. Do I have to come in, and does that constitute a resignation? So, I mean, the details are a little vague, but I'm going to presume that this is an unreasonable request by the employer, in which case it certainly can't be a resignation, because ultimately a resignation is, a, is an act of somebody doing something. It has The, the law actually stipulates that it has to be a clear and unequivocal action. Uh, by an employee that they're intending to resign. If they're being called into the office on short notice and can't make it with the threat of being told that, oh, you know, if you don't show up, you've resigned and we're paying you nothing, that certainly could never be a resignation at Law John. You want to keep it going here, get to Judith. Judith says, I'm on long-term disability. Can my employer <laughs> terminate my employment? I mean, the... The short answer is they can, uh, as long as the termination is not related to Judith's medical issues. Uh, you know, for example, if they have a mass layoff and Judith's position just happened to be happens to be cut up as part of that layoff, that's not discriminatory by any means, and that there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Where employers get, have issues is where they decide to terminate an employee either because they're explicitly targeting them in, in this instance because, oh, they're not at the job, um, we need to fill it, we, we, got, we found a great person, we only wait, wait for Judith to come back, we're just going to terminate her. You know, you can't lose your job just because you got sick. That's the principle, really. Uh, or secondly, I mean, often what happens is that people actually already come back after a long-term disability leave mm -hmm. and their employer having, you know, not heard from them a while has usually kind of moved on in these situations and they found someone that they prefer. And, or, and so they tell the employees, oh, we've actually eliminated your position. And employees often tell me all the time, John, well, I know that X is doing my job or she's doing almost the exact same job. And again, that's not allowed based on the human rights uh, legislation and the Employment Standards Act. I mean, if a person's coming back from a disability leave, if their job may not be available, then you, they have to be provided with a comparable one. And if, if somebody was hired in their place to do their job, they can't just be kept on. That, that's essentially, and again, the employee losing their job because of their disability.
So, so along those lines, so, you know, you're an employer and someone's been off on a lengthy disability. You knew they, or maybe you did not know it was going to be lengthy, but either way, you've, you've hired someone because you've got a business to run. So someone's filling in on that person's uh, job. They decide to come back after the disability. What happens to the person who is filling in? Because this person may be better than the actual employee. What does the employer do? What are they bound to do? Can they move them around? Can they move around the other person coming back? How does that work? Well, with the, I mean, they can choose to try to keep both. Uh, but really, the way I think these things should be done is with contract employees. You know, if you're if you're bringing someone someone in and you're not sure for how long, and it's only as a temporary replacement, hopefully in these circumstances, then really the best way to do is with you know, a fixed term contract that lets both parties know that this isn't a permanent relationship, and that doesn't mean it can't evolve beyond that afterwards uh, into something permanent. But to protect the employer in this instance, that that would be the best way to approach that. And again, any sort of agreements you want to get done properly, drafted properly, don't get some Google template. You want to go to Stan or the crew and get it done. The reach out, by the way, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address we're using tonight and every night. And one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred would be that. Would that be something that you could draft into an employment agreement for an employer saying, you know what, I'm hiring you, employee, on a temporary basis to fill in for a uh, disability leave. If it turns out that I do have a job for you when this person returns, you're welcome to it. Or this is only until said person comes back. You can put that in an agreement, worded properly, of course. Yeah, you can do it that way, but certainly, but the easier way really is just to create a fixed-term contract uh, with an explicit understanding that there's a termination clause, an enforceable termination clause, I should say, uh, that allow that lets both parties know that hey, this could end uh, before the end of the contract, and yeah. you know, if you, if you become even more explicit in that contract by saying it's a maternity leave. Uh, a maternity leave contract, and it could vary. The end date can vary depending on the individual who's on maternity leave and when she's ready, she or he are ready to come back. Uh, then you can work that all into the contract with that explicit language. Really, the, the the idea here is creating a mutual understanding between the two parties so that they know what to expect, and that if something like that does happen, no one is surprised by it. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. The number to call in if any of this sounds confusing or you have a question of your own. Bring it on. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Haley is up next. Says guys, if uh, if a person is laid off and collects CERB or EI, does this mean we are not entitled to severance pay? Does it lower the amount we are entitled to? If so, so this whether you're collecting CERB, whether you're collecting EI, those programs have absolutely nothing to do with severance pay. They really don't affect an individual's severance pay. You know, well, I shouldn't say that. The EI does affect an individual's severance pay in the sense that it offsets. Uh, you can't collect both severance pay and EI at the same time. And often what happens is that people who are laid off and have collected a lot of EI, they get terminated sometime in the future, and they actually have a repayment obligation to EI. Uh, for all that EI that they've collected during a period of time, they're now getting severance. Uh, the CERB does not work that way. There is no offset. But the important point is that really it does not affect what you're entitled to from your employer. Uh, the money that you get are, from your employer is ultimately based on your age, your position, your length of employment, and your ability to find new employment in the future. 
Megan is up next. Megan, through the email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. If a company gives you six months' notice, six months' notice of them moving, do they still have to pay severance on top of that if you're a 25-year employee? Certainly, if you're a 25-year employee, Megan, uh, there's a lot of scenarios where six months is not going to be adequate. By so, for example, I mean, if you have no contract which limits your entitlements, uh, then based on your 25 years, I'm going to say your worst day in court is likely 16 to 18 months. Uh, more so, even if you have a contract that limits your entitlements to the Employment Standards Act only, if your employer has a payroll of over $2.5 million, you are still going to be entitled to severance pay under the Act itself because working notice can never satisfy an employee's uh, entitlements to severance pay, which actually has to be paid as money. And you said worst day in court. By the way, these things very rarely end up in court. These are easy matters for Stan to uh, to adjudicate for sure, uh, just with the firm. So n- never have any fear of, of reaching out and contacting uh, Stan or the firm. It's it's really much more basic than that. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. By the way, is uh, is the way to reach out. But here now, still got uh, yeah, we still got a few minutes. Bring it on. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the number. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Enid, I've been working for a company, forget this, 44 years. Wow. Given notice, the office will close in one year. Am I entitled to severance? And if so, how much would that be? 44 years, man. 44 years, not a number you uh, you hear often anymore, John. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's certainly, even though a year is a long time to give somebody working notice, somebody who's been there for 44 years is definitely going to get more than that uh in court or as part of any settlement. I mean, uh, without question, without knowing anything else really about them, John, I can say pretty confidently that this person is getting at least 20 to 22 months at a minimum. And so so certainly a year may sound like a lot, but for a person who's been there for 44, it's nowhere near adequate. 416-870-6400. Just getting a call lined up here. We'll go to that uh, in a moment. But uh, Jonathan up first says, can my employer fire me for tardiness even though I was on the performance improvement plan for another month? Well, I mean, there's that's an interesting question. So we'd obviously have to know a bit more details about the situation. But, you know, if the performance improvement plan is related to tardiness and if it hasn't necessarily improved, I mean, the performance improvement plan is not going to shield an employee from being terminated. Uh, it's there to assist the employee to get better and, and to try to coach them to show them where they're deficient so that they can reach a standard that the employer uh, wants, essentially. But if, if nothing changes after two months, if, if, if anything, if it got worse after two months, there's nothing stopping the employer from saying at that point, this isn't working. You know, what's another month going to do for us here? We know this guy's not going to work out. We're just going to let them go now. 416-870-6400. Dario, thanks for uh, for standing by. Good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? I uh, just had a question on uh, on behalf of my father-in-law. So his company um, laid him off temporarily due to the uh, coronavirus. Now, a mm-hmm. lot of his coworkers have been uh, recalled. He has not been recalled. And I'm wondering at what point does this become uh, a termination? 
Well, there's a couple of, I mean, there's a couple of answers to that question because it either is already a termination in the sense that if they never laid him off before, if he doesn't have a contract which provides for them to lay him off, then under the common law, he can claim a constructive dismissal right now. Uh, Right. Other than that, if he has been laid off before, then realistically, right now with the regulations being uh, enacted and continuing until January 2nd, he would very much have to wait until next year before he even has the right to say it's a constructive dismissal or termination. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. No problem. Appreciate that. Thanks, uh, thanks, Jerry. You want to reach out any further? You can do so, and that is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. What's our next email up here? We got uh, Albert. Albert says, if my company relocates in a different city, am I obligated to relocate, or can I refuse? Will by uh, will I be entitled to severance? So realistically, I mean, it, no one's expected to relocate to a different city against their will. Uh, location is almost always a fundamental term of the employment relationship between two people, uh, two parties. So if a company is moving to a different city and you don't want to move, that is almost certainly going to be a constructive dismissal entitling that person to a severance package at that point. Hope that answered your question, Albert. Catherine, moving on down the list here, got a couple more. Says, uh, guys, I'm currently on LTD, and I've been with my employer for 20-plus years. I'm 62, and if I remain on LTD until 65, would I still be entitled to a full severance after after LTD cuts me off? Well, that's a bit of a difficult one to answer as well because uh, it's hard to know what the circumstances are. But realistically, I mean, if she's on LTD for a further three years – uh, at some point during that period of time, the employment relationship will likely become frustrated due to medical issues. And at that point, you, you're not going to be entitled to your false severance, unfortunately. She's only going to be entitled to her minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. We'll get to another one here, uh, Stan. We're moving on down the list, and that would be Roberts. Uh, Robert says, I was terminated after 12 years of service. It was a technical role, and I'm in my 40s. I was offered 25 weeks, not months, 25 weeks of severance. Is that even fair? I mean, it certainly sounds low, John. Uh, someone who's been somewhere for 12 years in a technical role some in their 40s, I would expect that person to be entitled to closer to about a month per year. So 25 may seem, again, generous at the onset, but from a common law perspective, it's it's Less than half, I would say, of what they're owed. Yeah, 25 weeks seems a little weak. But, uh, again, Robert, reaching out is the key to get a true uh, true number. First of all, that, that that's the first option, one 821 Robert, or help at employmentlawyer.ca, as you know. That's how you contacted us. But there's also the option of pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Wrapped up into there is the severance pay calculator. You can have a shot at that and see where it lands you. If not, there's a contact button at the top right and get a hold of Stan from there as well. Bob, my employer gave me a month of working notice. I have an interview in Halliburton, and she denied my request for time off for an interview. Is that allowed? So employers are inherently allowed to give employees working notice, but at the same time, if they're going to do that, there's an expectation that they're going to be reasonable in assisting the employee 
with helping, you know, helping them transition to the next job. Because again, ultimately, John, notice the idea of notice is to help an employee fi- uh, with some uh, with some financial uh, safety net while they try to find their next job. And so, if an employer is going to give you working notice, they have to actually give you the ability to go for interviews. If they refuse, I would say that that's an un- that's creating an unreasonable and frankly unworkable position. Uh, workplace and would allow the employee to leave, even though they're on working notice, they would be allowed to leave and claim that their severance not, notwithstanding. Let me get the last one here. We'll squeeze Alex in in the last minute. says, uh, does one and a half times pay for working on a statutory holiday only apply to hourly wages or other forms of pay as well, such as salaried employees? So statutory holiday pay uh, time and a half applies whether you're making you know, an hourly rate, whether you're a salaried employee, whether you have some sort of flat rate. Uh, the idea is obviously the government has decided to give people a day off and give them a pay for that day off at a rate of time and a half. And that applies regardless of how you, your employer decides to pay you. You know what? We'll call it for a, for a night, brother. Good job. And thank you for all your email correspondence and your phone calls as well. It's been a, it's been a beauty. You want to reach out now to Stan or Lior, member of the team. Here's the number. Give it to you all the time. 1-855-821-5900. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca is the website. And the email address we use each and every week is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time. Stick around, though. On Points coming right back. Alex Pearson's up next. Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.